Our first reading this morning is a poem by Marie Howe called My Dead Friends. I have begun when I'm weary and can't decide an answer to a bewildering question. I have begun to ask my dead friends for their opinion. And the answer is often immediate and clear. Should I take the job, move to the city? Should I try to conceive a child in my middle age? They stand in unison, shaking their heads and smiling. Whatever leads to joy, they say, to more life and less worry. I look into the vase where Billy's ashes were. It's green in there, a green vase. And I ask Billy if I should return the difficult phone call And he says, yes. (coughs) Billy's already gone through the frightening door. Whatever he says, I'll do. Our second reading today is an adaptation of um, Psalm 139 from the Hebrew Scriptures written by Reverend Christine Robinson. She's a UU minister, and she titles this, It's All Too Big. You are closer to me than I am, God. You shine through my chaos and confusion from my innermost self. You know my weak points and my hurt places the habits I resort to, and the goals that sustain me. You well up in me. You hold me in the palm of your hand. I can't quite grasp this. It's just too big. Understanding flits by in the corner of my mind and is quickly gone. You're in all of this, from the Big Bang to the outer edge of space and time. You are the seed at my center, from my birth to now, to my death, and beyond. Deep in every growing bone, every forming love, every struggled thought. There is nowhere that you are not. Search me. Try me. Purify me. Lead me to the way of oneness with you. So are there any Lost fans in the house? (laughs) Who watches the show Lost? I'll confess, I watch it. Okay, a couple of you. All right, well, so I guess the sermon doesn't totally hinge on that point. I thought maybe a few of you might watch Lost. But there's this fourth season. In the fourth season, there's this episode called The Constant. And if you don't watch Lost, let me tell you that it is, it's a wacky show. There's time travel and flash forwards and flashbacks and this mysterious island and people and airplanes and just, it's crazy. But there's probably a bunch of sermons in it, so you may hear about it again. (laughs) But but this morning, I want to focus on The Constant, this episode from season four where a character named Desmond is 
time traveling between 1996 and 2004. And as he moves between those two worlds, he becomes more and more disoriented and starts to mentally unravel as his consciousness is shifting between 96 and 04. The thing that saves him, the reference point in both worlds, the thing he can hold on to in his heart and mind, the constant, is a woman named Penny. And she prevents him from going mad and eventually grounds him back in the present of 2004. The constant. The constant. Several months ago, I had a conversation with a member of this church, and she spoke about the church as the constant in her life. And she gave me permission to share bits of this story with you. She said that her relationship with First Universalist is longer than many other things in her life. Longer than she's owned a home. And longer than her kids have been alive. She raised them here and now has grandkids. And she said when she falls short in her own living, in her own life, that this church, as a constant, calls her back to her values, to her core values. It holds up a mirror, a gentle mirror, reminds her of who and how she might be in the world. This church, as her constant, her reference point, gives her a place to stand spiritually, to be anchored, to make a deep commitment. She says, through this commitment, I shape the church, and it shapes me. And so it is with any commitment we make. She goes on, I don't know the full impact of this commitment, but it makes me stretch and grow. And love. So Lost, which only a few of you watch, unfortunately, <laughs> and this conversation with a congregant, and it made me think, it really, really made me slow down and think, what are the constants in our lives? What are the touchstones, the rocks, the anchors, the center of the solar system around which you orbit? What are the constants in your life? Hear again these words from Psalm 139, adapted words. You know my weak points and my hurt places, the habits I resort to and the goals that sustain me. You well up in me, you hold me in the palm of your hand. What are the things that hold you, that you can lean into, that offer a strength greater than your own? What are the constants in your life? What are the constants in your life? Is this church one of them? Five weeks ago, when we launched our pledge campaign, and we had the pledge team up here, just like we do today, I preached about the church being a lifeline a community that can help us find our way home. I shared a story of Midwestern farmers who used to, and probably still do, when a big blizzard was on the way, the first signs of that blizzard, they would tie a rope from the back door of their house to the barn because they'd heard stories of others who had gone out during a blizzard to feed the animals and had gotten lost in their own backyard and died, frozen and died. 
And in that sermon, I suggested that there is another kind of blizzard we're dealing with today. One without snow, but just as dangerous. A blizzard of materialism and violence and greed and despair and indifference to suffering. And I said that this church is like that rope between the back door and the barn door. It is a lifeline that helps people find their way home through the blizzard to meaning and purpose and joy, even God, however you understand that. What I didn't say then in that sermon, but what I hinted at, is that church, even as a lifeline, even as a constant, is not and can never be a final destination. You can't stop here. I mean, you can. You can can be a member here for years, as you heard. But the church also has to offer a way, a way of being in the world. So that after Sunday, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and the rest of the week and in your work life and your relationships and beyond, you're a different person. You're equipped with spiritual tools and understanding. You're equipped with an awakened heart. And friends, this is what we've been doing this year. Through our sermon-based small groups and through Kate Tucker's meditation group and so many other ways in this church, we are deepening our spiritual practices of listening and how powerful it is to be heard. We are deepening our spiritual practices of prayer and sitting with one another and sitting in silence. We are equipping people. In worship, we are opening our hearts to the unexpected gifts of our faith, to a love that knows no bounds. Many of you were here two weeks ago, and at the end of the service, the sermon, I invited you to share a gift. It could be a handshake or a smile with someone, and the stories that you've shared with me have been amazing. We're opening our hearts to unexpected gifts, and we're acting on the love that is at the center of our lives and at the center of this church as we serve our neighbors and the wider community. So let me tell you why I think this is happening and what I think is next for us. I believe that communities like this one can be a place where a tune of hope and possibility is always quietly being hummed. It's just there. It's in the walls. It's in the background. It's in the whispers of our ancestors in the dreams that are waiting for our hands to make them real. And when we hear that hum, maybe faintly at first, but then louder and louder, then we are reconnected with our own... There's a hum. (laughs) That's actually a plant. I was hoping somebody would have that happen and... We could have a cell phone go off. But there's a hum in the place, and when we're here listening, we start to hear it, quietly at first, and then louder perhaps, and it reconnects us with our own hum, our own song. And when that hum of the place synchronizes with our own song, our heart's song, look out. Something is happening. And that's what's happening here. There's a deep resonance between the song of this place and our song. You'll remember back in October when I preached a sermon uh, on money, 
We were exploring that theme back in October. I said, this faith that sustains and challenges us, that has room for various theological perspectives, that suggests love is stronger than death, hope more powerful than fear, those ideas are just dry bones if they are not contained in an institution that helps them grow and supports them, that strengthens them. Otherwise, those values, those religious ideas disappear when we disappear. And I asked in that sermon, what if we got serious? What if we got really serious about putting real flesh and bones on our shared values and decided we didn't ever want to be a bunch of dry bones again, scraping by year to year, wondering if we'll make the church budget or have to cut programming or staff. I asked, what if we took this faith seriously, believed that it had a saving message and made a rock-solid commitment to it financially and otherwise? Well, friends, we got serious about it this year. We got serious about it. We heard the advice and wisdom of our dead friends, those from First Universalist and beyond, who were whispering to us, who helped build this house of worship. We listened to them as they said, whatever leads to joy, do it. Do the difficult thing, they said, even if it scares you. Give away the offering plate, even if it scares you. Do it. Whatever leads to possibility and dreams, they said, do it. And so we've been dreaming this year, making this church a constant in our lives, shaping it and being shaped by it. And let me tell you, at a time when many other churches are dwindling and declining, we got serious about putting real flesh and bones on our faith. We declared that our destiny is not decline. And I suggest to you that it is, it is God. It is that spirit of love, that spirit beyond naming, that spirit that is there at our birth and death and beyond, that spirit that is calling us forward to something bigger than we can imagine. Don't get hung up on the word God. Remember the story of a spiritual master who told his disciple, anything we can say about God is just words because God is unknowable. I agree. Why then, said the disciple, do you speak of God at all? And many of you ask that question. Why then do we speak of God at all? And the master replied, why does the bird sing? She sings not because she has a statement, but because she has a song. And friends, I am suggesting to you that that spirit of life, God, whatever name you want to call it, is calling us. There is a song we are hearing, and we have a song to sing. You might imagine God as this choir director. And actually, I didn't even think of this when I wrote this, but Jan Hunton, our music director, after that was like, hey, I hear you're talking about me in the service. So you can imagine God as a woman, as a choir director, as whatever you want to do, but that 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 spirit is inviting us to stop ho-humming and to really start singing. More than just one clap during a song. 
We are hearing, I would suggest to you, God's love song, and it is stirring in us our own song. We might not know all the words yet, or the full tune, but it is a song about growing and acting and loving. It is a song about commitment and generosity and possibility and service. And as it relates to this pledge campaign, let me just say how blown away I have been by what we have accomplished this past month. Yes, there are still households we haven't heard from yet, but what we have done so far in this challenging economic time is simply amazing. And I thank each of you for doing what you can. Remember that several generous members gave $15,000 in matching money for first-time pledges. We matched that and then last week went well beyond it. Thank you, first-time pledgers. Several music lovers contributed $5,000 to buy the new hymnal, the teal hymnal you see in front of you, and we'll sing from that again today. The board of trustees and the pledge team increased their pledge by 30% on average, and collectively, listen to this, collectively with our new pledgers in the mix, we are looking at, at this point in the campaign, a 14% increase from where we were last year. Friends, this is astonishing. It's astonishing. It's amazing. You're doing this work. You're doing this work. Some of us were able to give more. Some of us have lost jobs. But together, we are doing this work. And what I want to tell you is the numbers matter. Yes, it's impressive. The numbers matter. But the numbers aren't what really matter. What really matters is the spirit that is moving in this place that is pointing to what's next for us. And we're on the move. There are things for us to do. In the fall, as I mentioned, we will be changing the times of our service and looking at how we do religious education to make more room in this 11 o'clock service and better prepare our kids with our religious education program at the early service. And I suspect in the fall, as we move into our new budget year, we will be giving away most, if not all, of our Sunday morning offering, and your pledges will support the church as we support the community with our offering on Sunday morning. And I suspect we'll have an intern minister as we become a teaching congregation again. We are awakening to our potential. We are saying yes to this faith, to possibility, to blessing the world. We are saying yes to the song that is ours to sing. So whether or not you've watched Lost, <laughs> and there weren't that many of you who were watching Lost, I invite you to make this church the constant in your life, the reference point, a pausing point, a place to stop and take stock of your spirit and to get equipped for the days ahead. And I invite you, when you are weary and cannot decide an answer to a bewildering question, come sit in these pews surrounded by a mighty cloud of loving witnesses and that greater spirit of love. Come sit in these pews and let those witnesses whisper to you of a new way, a way that leads to more joy, more life, more love, and less worry. May it be so. And amen.